0: Hey, what's up, Box One World? We're back for another episode today. We're going to be talking about uh, the Jays, but first, before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit of Raptors. We haven't necessarily spent a lot of time on the Raptors lately, and discuss the the topic of tanking because this is something that when the Raptors started to struggle, uh, a lot of people thought that you know perhaps it made a little bit more sense for them to better their draft position. You know, in the grand scheme of things, what's what's the better approach? How do you guys feel in general about? about tanking and uh so we'll talk about a few th- different things tanking related the raptors are, are five and five in their last 10 games they're 10th in the playoffs uh in the playoff race right now which gets them into the play-in game uh, but i mean in the grand scheme of things do you believe that tanking would have probably helped them um, looking forward to the future? Or, you know, do do you just, is it one of those things where you find it's really hard to kind of tell people, you know, we're not, we're not playing for, for anything this year. Just stop trying.
1: Yeah. I I don't know how you tell a group of people who've won a championship just a couple of years ago that, you know, we're going to tank. It's kind of hard. I really don't see them doing much even if they sneak into the playoffs first round exit maybe, because um, they haven't shown the kind of consistency you'd expect them you know that would expect make you think that they'll make a run in the playoffs. So uh, I would hope they tank or at least uh, you know try and get a slightly higher draft pick or something. but uh, I think playoffs shouldn't really be a concern this year for Raptors.
2: I agree. Uh, Chicago, the Chicago Bulls, who they're competing with for the 10 seed, has been hit with COVID. So they have guys that are out due to protocols. So that may actually get them into the playoff, play-in game, or the play-in tournament, I should say, which, I mean, yeah, I I would rather have just, they're a very, they're an organized, they just need to get some depth, get some athletes back, rebuild. I'm not, they don't need to do a full rebuild, but they need to just, get some more talent in there so I I would have I think long term for the organization not getting in this year is the best thing to do now in reality they're playing better but they are actually like not playing a lot of they're being very conservative with a lot of their core guys sitting them with minor ailments there is a talk around the nba as well that like the scheduling is so compressed that a lot of gms and trainers are really concerned that like this schedule with like just the lack of pre- just this whole distorted season at the schedule and the covid testing and everything it's just like opening the door to a lot of injuries as well like soft tissue things sprains strains all that so i can see the raptors like not just saying that hey you know what Let's just not play these guys. I mean, Lowry's missed a lot of time. Siakam, OG recently, Fred—they missed. Sat down with relatively minor ailments that I'm sure if they were, if they were in a position where they could like a legitimate like top four seed playing for positioning, they probably would be playing through it. For sure. Flip side is that, and I read this uh, that if you guys like like yesterday, Paul Watson and Utah go off. Those guys don't care about the Raptors. They, they're trying to get, like, contract for next year. So they're going to go out and play hard. And if they're beating teams by doing that, like beating bad teams that are also tanking, like, you can't hold it against them. So let the chips fall where they may. And if you're in a play-in tournament and get into the first round, then maybe give get try to get some minutes for at least maybe the Malachis or the um Kim Birches or the Boucher, the guys that you just wanna you wanna get a good look at in these situations and maybe you can where you may lose on the pick, you can gain in the development.
0: I've been very back and forth on the topic all season. Um early on, uh probably around like when we had Blake Murphy on, um, you know, I, I definitely thought what we were seeing was was you know, just some early season struggles as a result of you know some of the displacement of the guys on the team and all that. But I figured you know they they turn around turn it around and they did until All Star break was when uh, you know they had all the the COVID issues and and things just went downhill from there. And that's when I kind of just took the stance of the season is lost. Let's just give it up. Let's see what we can do in terms of getting our getting our, our ourselves a, a better draft spot. But then, you know, the more you think about it, and just in the grand, grand scheme of things, and and looking beyond the Raptors and just tanking in general, it's one of those things where when you have guys on, like you said, Primate, or awesome when you when you have guys who you know are a couple years removed from competing for a championship, and you have guys who you know there, there are some skilled guys outside of the ones that have been hurt. You know, it's 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 a difficult thing to say. Hey, you got to stop trying we're not going to win these games. And and like, who's that message going to come from? I don't, I don't see that ever coming from nurse or Maasai.
1: but I, I don't know if they ever, even if a team's deliberately tanking, no one comes out with a message saying we're not no. trying, right. You just put players in a position where they can't win. Development. Exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> e- exactly. Like if, you, if and, and that's what I'm saying. So like you have guys on this roster that don't fit that idea of tanking. So y- you can't say it to them. Because you wouldn't say it. It's 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 got to be the way Philly did it um, when Brian Calangelo was was the GM. It, or actually, was it pre-Calangelo? Hinky, Hinky. Clangelo yeah, it was right, right near the end of that. Right, but so some of those rosters were some of the worst rosters that I'd ever seen assembled, maybe since the the inaugural Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the way you do it. That's the way you tank. It's it's assembling those pieces who are you know fringe pieces would probably belong in the G League rather than some of the guys who the Raptors have. The good thing that has come out of this, and one of the things that I wanted to see, was letting guys like Malachi Flynn play. So, you know, there's a positive that he's gotten some playing time. And similar to where the Jays were last year, um, where, you know, you let some young guys play, and, you know, things end up kind of working in the right direction, working in your favor, and, you know, maybe you can get some of those guys a little bit of playoff experience, even if it is just in the play-in tournament. But it's it's something where they're playing in higher stakes games.
2: Yep. I mean, if that comes, I mean, if we get in, then just play to win once you're there, right? And I think that, like, nurse in the in a coaching against nurse, like nurse in a playoff round is a very different kind of animal because that's where he will. And if you have guys relatively healthy at that point, they could make some – I even if they get past the play-in tournament. I mean, right as it stands now, they've matched up against Miami. And I think Miami is a better team right now. Um, but – and they're very well coached as well. But let's say they play Philly in a round one. Even if I, even if Philly would be the favorite and rightfully so, and they'd probably win, I could see just nurses coaching, stealing a couple games in that series.
0: Yeah, so that, that that's one of the things that I I always think about. It's if if you tank, you kind of take away that ability to you know they could they could sneak in after winning a playoff, like the winning the playoff tournament. Uh, they could sneak in, you know, play somebody, and maybe you know they catch somebody who's injured you know it kind of that that's that's always the the i think the 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 negative side of of you know the potential tanking when you have some quality players on your team it's that you could take away the potential for that you know that um uh, Cinderella run, i guess you would call it you know there's i i always love to. Create those scenarios in my head where it's like, oh, what if this happened? What if you know they they make it to they make it to the oh, finals? It Unlikely, but if you take that stance of you know we're just gonna develop players and we're not gonna we're not gonna try to win these games, you take away the potential for that to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean it's one of those things, right? Like this, I don't remember. Maybe Rod Laver was a former tennis player who once said, "Yeah, I really never want to give up because you never know if the lightning strikes and hit the opponent." Right, so. Yep. I guess it's one of those things. And I mean, truth be told, even if they, let's say, they make it. Now that you mentioned it, I mean, they have enough pieces who can still probably benefit from that playoff. You know, me, playing in those playoff games, even if you know they make an exit in the first round, they have enough guys who can probably benefit from that experience, right? Like, oh,
2: yeah, um, I mean, that's like the question ben, comes down yeah. to is that those extra games for like a Flynn, Trent, um, even Boucher, although he's older, he doesn't really have a lot of playoff experience. Is that worth more than drafting a few spots higher?
1: So th- th- that's another question I want to ask you because we're talking about these guys getting, what do you guys make of, of uh, Freddie's, like they're re-upping him for another 10-day uh, contract, I think, right? Raptors. His...
0: Oh, Freddie Gillespie?
1: Freddy Gillespie, yeah.
0: I love it. Uh to be honest with you, since him and Birch have been inserted into the lineup, you can really see that like, you know, having Aaron Baines in the lineup, uh, as opposed to like now that you have these guys, it's it's a completely different dynamic. There's more switchability with a guy like Gillespie and a guy like Ken Burch. They give you something more offensively. Like if if you think about all the, you know, all the plays that Aaron Baines is involved mm-hmm. in. You know, typically it's he sets a screen, he flares out to the three point line, and then gives you that little like nineteen fifties <laughs> jumper from the top of the key. Like these guys give you a little bit more; they give you more athleticism, and th- the rebounding that these both of these guys give you is has just completely changed change the team and like I, I don't want to overstate what's what's been going on because like you know it's it's a run of like a few games so it, it could just be a case where you know they're just energized coming into a new team but I I love the fact that you know they they re-up Gillespie because um, he's something that they've been missing and same with Birch
1: yeah and he, he's worth another look right and again if it can solve your number five problem a little bit then why not
2: yeah I mean I think that their perspective is that had we just gotten a they'd probably be a much closer to a 500 team had they just gotten a few extra rebounds. Yeah. And Baines, when he's on the court, they've been awful, like just atrocious. And let's call it a spade a spade. He's been terrible. I, I don't want to pile on the guy any more than everybody already has. But I think it's good for him that they were playing in Tampa, not Toronto this year. Cause he would have gotten booed every time he touched the floor. So, um, Just not play, and they're not, they're generally there with him off the floor. They were a much more efficient offensive and better defensive team. Even if they weren't getting closing possessions and getting, at least, they were missing rebounds, but that's because the other team was missing shots. So a missed rebound is the result of a missed shot or a bad shot attempt. So they weren't closing the possessions, but they had possessions that they could close. So I think... Yeah, with Birch and um, Freddie, it's just a matter of just getting guys that are a little more athletic, uh, just can get up, get those boards. Um, And in fairness to Baines, I didn't know this before, but apparently he had COVID in the offseason and was hit pretty hard. So we don't know what this impact is on him, like an, on an athlete. Like we saw the challenges that guys like Siakam and Fred and all them coming out of the COVID protocols. I mean, just we don't know who everybody who had it and who didn't have it. Um, there's an impact there. I mean, it's just, the. Uh, and I was reading that it also slowed down their miles per hour and total miles covered per game just on foot. So just say like extra little bit of energy, close out on a three-point shot wasn't there and maybe they're just having a little more energy and just um getting those extra few boards and that could that's making them look a little better
0: yeah and and with a guy like Baines like if if you're a half a step slower (laughs) you know when you're probably already half a step slow it's 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 difficult, and like to be honest with you, people like it's easy to pile on Baines. Um, like I think he was put in a bad position. I I I honestly believe that the front office thought they were they were going to get somebody else in addition to Baines. I don't, you know, I think it got it came to a point where they had to kind of sell him as the solution in the front court. But I don't think that was ever the intent. Like he 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 has a role on this team. It's not as a starter. And I've always said this as a bench guy, I don't mind him. But when you thrust him into that role and having to cover the pick and rolls and having to do some things that you can tell he's clearly not comfortable with, it's 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 not what he's built for. And that's why, like, I'm glad that they brought in a couple of guys who, you know, kind of fit that mold of the the athletic big that I think we some of us wanted them to get in the offseason and some of us wanted to to see come in through through maybe a trade. Or you know in the buyout market, but you know they they did it. I think they did it the right way. They got themselves some value out of like you know guys who you know were were kind of afterthoughts, I guess. Especially mm-hmm. in, in the case of Gillespie, because I mean they picked him up on a ten day to see what he had, um, and I think he's like the third or fourth big man that they picked up on a ten day. And I, I'm kind of glad they didn't settle on some of the earlier ones. Like I I liked Henry Ellenson, but you know he's 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 a little bit slower than than what you know what Gillespie. Gillespie is, and definitely Gillespie's a better rebounder.
1: Yeah, and it's not as if Baines, he's already, what, like 34, I think? So, I mean, you weren't going to... Like, he is who he is, right? He was so, a
2: placeholder, and yeah, exactly. he has two roles, three jobs, get dunks, set screens, and rebound the ball, and he didn't, unfortunately, he didn't do any of them well, so that's <laughs> um yeah i mean there's nothing i don't think it's due to lack of effort but i mean given his age and covid and when it goes it goes right
0: yeah i you know it's funny that you mentioned his age when somebody told me that a few weeks ago i never realized he was that old for some reason i thought he was like late late 20s me too Um, yeah yeah.
1: was it on the podcast that we discussed this
0: (laughs) maybe it was because i remember i think yeah 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 like it's it's crazy that he's he's as old as he is because like did he come over into the league late? I'm just trying yeah, to remember. He like was he, was maybe.
2: he was like 26 or 27 when he came into the league because from Australia, so I don't know if he spent time in Europe or what. But yeah, he was older when he came over for
0: sure. Yeah, that, that explains it because he's been around for a while, but like he's definitely hasn't been around that long. All right, so uh, I, I think that's that's a good place to end it off with with the Raptors talk. But I mean, let, let's see let's see where the season goes. It. I, whatever we get out of this, like ideally, I would prefer a high draft pick. But you know, if if we see a magical run, then uh, like it is what it is. I need some happiness at, at at this time.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: There are some good athletic wing guys. It's not a real unless they get to the two with Evan Mobley. It's not really a big man draft, but a lot of good athletic wings. So you have yeah. get somebody in the top ten that's like just really good, like. Uh, it can make a difference. I mean, it's now the league is really. If you have a really good wing player like that, uh, not so much that big or that guard, but that small forward with the body and the athleticism, that's huge in this league now.
0: Yeah, and th- and there's there's a lot of those guys where it's like the the problem with this draft is outside of the top five, it's it's a lot more of a a lot more of a crapshoot. The top five are definitely, and and that's what I was hoping for to be completely honest with you i wanted a top five pick so i wanted like all out tank just sit everybody if anybody's a little bit hurt he's sitting because i wanted a guy like mobley because i think mobley would fit in well but you know that would be like there are so many there there's a few bad teams and at at the time where we started struggling with covid i think there were there were a few teams that were even below us so like it would have taken some work on our part to get down there but there are some like even if we end up somewhere in the lottery there are some good athletic guys that might be able to to turn into something it's just you know we'd have to rely heavily on our player development which we've talked about in the past and and we're we're, the raptors are really good at at developing guys so you know that it might not be a bad move but i i mean ideally we we would get mobley but that's just you know that's uh perfect world
1: yeah but top five is going to be a massive undertaking right now like even where based on where they are so they've killed their development can really help if you get something in the top 10 you yeah. you can still make something out of it.
0: Yeah, they killed the top 5 dream with their run in the last last 10 games. Like being 5 and 5 in the mm-hmm. last 10, that's pretty much taking us out of that that conversation. So it's 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 just a lottery pick at most right now, which is is fine. Like there there's like I said, there's some guys with some talent and I think they can turn somebody into something like we've seen so many times before. Speaking of talented teams and, you know, turning young guys into players, uh let, let's turn our attention to uh to the Blue Jays. Primate, they're playing right now, aren't they? They're winning two nothing uh, end of the third, so third innings over. Max
1: is throwing a no hitter. I mean, it's only three innings, but you can say that, right? Yeah,
0: right? you just jinxed it. <laughs> you just jinxed hey, it. You shouldn't have said it. Max has pitched really well for them. He's
1: pitched really well, yeah, Spring.
2: Yeah. Right? So, so, but you have to take spring training stats with a grain of salt. But so far, he's been really good.
0: But but let's talk about that because I think that was that was the biggest concern that that we all had. The the starting pitching hasn't looked bad so far. Um, uh, it's been, uh, I
1: mean, outside of, uh, Ryu and Matt's and one Robbie Ray start, it's been a little dicey,
0: but is it as bad as it could have been? Because when you looked at some of these names early on, like I, I was expecting just like complete catastrophe. They were
1: lucky a couple of games. I'll be honest. I think TJ Zorik in that first start against the Yankees, there were a lot of loud outs. He lucked out. Um, Tanner Roark came as advertised for this year. Uh, unfortunately um i feel bad for the guy it doesn't seem like things will get better for him but uh yeah i mean it's been a mixed bag right now
2: as azam said ryu and matts have been great uh robbie ray um one good start so that's uh so far so good um What's also it's interesting about Matt's is that there aren't any drastic changes. I'm just looking at his last few years in terms of fastball usage, slider usage, a little bit more slider usage than last year, uh, but nothing has drastically changed. But there is more, a little bit more velocity, so I'm just wondering if on his fastball, a little less on his sliders. I'm just wondering if he's just healthy. But I'm looking at, like, there's nothing really has... Changed, so I mean, is he gonna be as like a Cy Young candidate? No, is he gonna be a good mid-rotation starter for them? Probably, but the I biggest, think
1: if I get three and a half, four ERA, I'll be happy.
2: Yeah. Um, the biggest concern off is the injuries. I mean, Merryweather, Romano. I mean, we lost Yates before, but that's a little different because like he was a high-risk acquisition to begin with. I mean, Springer hasn't played yet. Um I'm missing a bunch of guys. We've lost Chatwood.
1: Hernandez, Tios Oscar.
2: Oscar was due to COVID, but uh yeah. So and I know that there's more bodies that so were just,
1: yeah, and the thing is that even though the starting pitching was a little dicey, there was some depth at AAA. That's getting really tested now because a lot of these guys are um getting yeah. hurt and losing both your quote unquote closer and a setup guy. Um Bullpen's going to get stretched a little bit as well. I mean, Tommy Malone starting the second game of the doubleheader today, so that tells you they're pretty desperate right now. I mean, that's one. And then the other thing that's telling you is that they really do not trust Tanner Roark right now. Oh, uh, good God, no. Oh, why and, I mean, would you? <laughs> and well, that's true, either. right? And, and I feel for the guy, right? I mean, he, he, he was supposed to be like a back-end rotation, like your four or five, hasn't really panned out. But if you can't trust him against, KC and at Kaufman. I like I I don't know why you're carrying him, to be very honest.
2: Uh, Well, ownership is saying we're paying the guy 12 million, find a way to get something out of him before you cut him. That's probably what it is.
1: Tyler Chatwood's out too, actually, by
2: the way. Yeah, Chatwood's out. Uh Hatch has been out and he had he could have been a good arm for them as well um yeah Nate Pearson obviously it's just yeah which also is another question of like is there something going on with like the uh training the the way these the training staff the way they're being worked is there something that we're not like that's a problem or is it just a matter of pitchers get hurt and they're just coming all at once we're not close enough to the situation to know that for sure, but I think it's a question that could be asked.
0: Yeah, and I guess we got to see what 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 ends up happening with those guys and see if if this keeps happening throughout the season. I mean, it might just be a run of bad luck, but yeah, you're right. There could be there could be something more to it. Um, what's what's Pearson's uh, status? When is when is he expected to be back?
1: Well, it's indefinite right now. He's throwing off a mound. Um, last time they said. Or I think he himself said that they're they're trying to tweak something mechanically a little bit. So, I mean, one way to read that is maybe they are concerned that how he throws, he is a little bit more injury prone um, just to try to make it less violent. So, I mean, if he's doing that, he's trying to make a tweak or an adjustment.
2: Has there ever um, been a guy that throws a hundred consistently that hasn't had some in hasn't had injury issues? Sure, is it? Does he throw a hundred consistently now?
1: I mean, not now. I mean, but he did throw a hundred at some in one point. <laughs> I, I, he's learned He learned sure how, how, so sure.
2: how not to throw hundred. That's the, that's the um. I mean. I think a lot of these guys just sometimes, like, it's just crazy. Like, they just do it. They think it's so easy without really understanding the stress that it causes on your body. And a lot of times you may not feel it until it just goes. You remember how Dwayne Casey used to talk about pound the rock? That 99 times you pound the rock, nothing happens. You think you're making no, you're not damaging the rock. But the 100th time, it just collapses. Well, this is like you're applying that same example to your arm. Like, you could think, oh, nothing's happening, everything's good, and then snap.
0: Sorry, are, are you calling for Casey to be in a dugout somewhere in the suit?
2: Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm looking at Scherzer now. His fastball average velocity is 93.6 this year.
1: And he's 36 um, as well.
2: Yeah, but even, like, in his Detroit days, 93, 94, 93 was his mm. average velocity. So he could get it to 100. But he didn't just like throw it. He wasn't like averaging high nineties consistently. He
1: was. What very, about Verlander? Verlander, very
2: interesting. I I would suspect he's. I mean, he's older now. He has a. He had the time he's Tommy John now, but
1: I remember at one point he uh, threw a hundred to finish the eighth inning.
2: Yeah, he could. He was there, but he's average. He's a little higher, averaging the ninety-three to ninety-five range. He's never averaged more than ninety-five point six, and that's when he you- in two thousand nine. So he could, if I-, I think those guys, and it's easier said than done, obviously. But those guys probably learned to save it. When needed, and they learn how to like they learn how to get guys out without maxing out their velocity.
0: And I guess that's that's the key for some of these for young athletes in general. Like even even in in basketball or, or whatever the case is, sometimes you just have to learn learn to save yourself for when you actually need it and not overexert yourself all the time. And I'm I'm sure that's probably hard as a as a pitcher who can, you know, who's who's got a flamethrower for an arm to to not just rear back every time and throw a hundred, but I mean th- that's probably the most important thing: to longevity. It's it's learning how to. It's not just throwing and throwing hard. It's it's learning how to pitch.
1: Absolutely,
2: and you can't blame them. We can sit here and say, "Whoa, it's so it." It's not because you don't feel you don't think you're you don't think yeah. you're doing anything. You don't yeah. think it's causing any stress, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm blowing these guys away!" Like. It, it's hard to change, right? It's like muscle memory. like to, And the ball, it's like throwing a change up, right? Because you have to have the exact same arm action as a fastball. Like, so the hitter will not detect what's
0: coming. And that's really, really hard to do. So not that this is the same in any way, but I remember when I was working for the Raptors and we used to throw those t-shirts into the stands, I would try to launch them up into the upper deck every time. And my arm was fine all the time until and now this is a t shirt and it's not a baseball, but I remember launching one really far as far as I could, and I felt something in my shoulder and my elbow. And to this day, my arm is done. I cannot, I can't throw at all anymore. Huh. Yeah, but definitely not the same as throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball in a major league game. Yeah, I just just wanted to give myself some credit for being able to launch it into the stands. Definitely like not the same.
1: <laughs> What's with your launch angle?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I I don't know if they had that kind of technology in those days. On that note, we were talking about it. So I just want
1: to appreciate what Max has been doing. Like he's now what? He just passed Cy Young uh in MLB strikeout leaders. I think by when all when this by the time this season's done, he'll be top twenty all time. Um incredible career. And w- what's even amazing is that uh when Washington gave him that big contract at the age of 31, they've gotten their money's worth. Like they've really gotten their money's worth. Is he the Uh,
2: first starter that got a long-term seven-year deal, starting pitcher that just didn't have any sort of significant injury problems uh, like, or just like blow out at some point during the contract? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that that hasn't happened to.
1: Especially when it's a free agent contract and not yeah. an extension.
2: Yeah, like a free agent after thirty. He's the first.
1: Like his first year with Washington was his age thirty year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, like Strasburg, last year barely pitched five innings. Done after he got his extension after 2019 when they won the World Series. Uh, so like. So we'll see how he how he holds up. he's another guy they gave a long- term deal to uh, seven he's in year two of a seven year deal and he is now he's going to be 33 this year
1: we'll okay. see. So this is share's seventh year first five years he posted 32.5 in when above went above replacement so 32.5 that's an average of what six and a half uh, war every year for five years. Last year, it was 1.8 in just 67 innings. So that probably could have been close to four and a half, five. Uh, so just absolutely incredible of a career. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall oh, of Fame. Yeah. He's at 64 yeah. now. He can actually go in Hall of Fame as a Washington National if you actually look at his career. Yeah, if he wants to. And why?
2: Like he won the World Series here. Um,
1: 34 out of 60 war.
2: Washington. And his Washington, overall, his Washington numbers, because like even in Detroit, he didn't really break out. And he had a pretty good 20-10 year, uh, 11 okay-ish, but really 12, 13, 14 are where he really established himself as a frontline guy. So Washington would make sure he's had a much better career in Washington and a longer career when all said and done. Actually, yeah, he's been in Washington longer now than he has been in Detroit, so it would make sense to go in as a national.
1: But back to Jays, I mean, um, injuries aside, pitching being a bit of a question mark, um, I mean, the good thing is how Bichette and Vlad are hitting right now. So, again, very early in the season, but you'd rather see them hit than not hit, right? And uh, Vlad's scorching hot and Mm -hmm.
2: Gritchick has hit well, streaky. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a streaky hitter for sure, but he's hit well. Uh, Still a few concerns. I mean, just Danny Jansen, I was hoping that he, I mean, when I say breakout, just be a serviceable hitter, and that hasn't happened at all. Mm -hmm. So, and he'd always been a pretty good hitter when he was in the minors. And even in 2018, when he came up, he did okay off like Mm -hmm. 347 on base for a catcher, so but we're getting to the point with him that you need to start getting some kind of offense on. He can't. Otherwise, he's going to have a, become a career backup.
1: Yeah, because his defense is good enough to keep him in the leagues for a long time.
2: Yeah. Uh, Kirk, uh, as much as everybody, Ron included, love him. He ha- I mean, he has not not a lot of at-bats yet. It's early, but there hasn't been much. And
0: He hit his first home run, though.
2: He yeah. did. Uh, I still have. I mean, I just think it's way too early in his career he came out of nowhere i I'm all, I always question these guys when yeah. they come up so
0: don't I they just- have don't they have another catcher uh another catching prospect like just yeah, kind of waiting cool. sorry who uh, Gabriel moreno is yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's um
2: yeah he's still a while he's not imminent or no, is he, is he double A or he's uh, he's, good. he's in triple A. He's in triple
1: A. He's in triple A. He's supposed to be the main catching prospect, but I think they have Riley Adams as well, right?
2: Yeah, I think Mourinho Keith Law has Mourinho ahead. Uh, yeah, but Mourinho, like his last, like in 2019, he was in Lansing, which is mid A. So now he started, he was on in their alternate site last year, and now they're putting him in triple A, which is great uh but he may need a good like again the art of catching he may yeah. need a couple of good he may just be in triple a out of necessity or like the art of catching he may need to just get there and just stay there for a year or two
1: so so that's the interesting thing about last year when there was no minor league baseball and a lot of these guys were at the alternate training side it seems that I'd like to know a little bit more how it was structured because it seems that players ended up facing tougher competition, maybe because you were playing facing players from you know different levels. But it seemed like Jays are a lot more comfortable pushing a lot of these guys up a lot faster than they would have done well, had they just gone great. through a regular season. Look at Kirk. Look at Mourinho. Like look at a lot of these guys. Even Jonathan Davis. Like he's been around with the team for a while, but they really loved his work at the alternate side. Uh, like this. Um, Josh Palacios. like, like, There's a lot of guys who've done very well, it seems, or whatever they did at the alternate site seemed to have worked that they felt, feel comfortable that they can push these guys up a level or two up faster than they would have done in normal circumstances.
2: Yeah, so what I would... I think, this is just my own theory, Te- there are limits as to how many players you could have. So teams would have brought their best prospects. So maybe there's... Placing the best guys, whereas when you're in the minor leagues, there's a lot of players that just have no hope in making it to the majors. You're facing a lot of bad competition in the minors as well. Maybe just like having those simulated games against tougher competition and working out and developing with the, your elite prospects help push the pro, the uh, development process forward.
1: So, so, that and, and that's a fair point, and maybe there is something to shrinking the minor league that MLB decided to go out. Like, you know, I mean, we there were a lot of levels and, yeah, you know, call it nostalgia or, you know, just the fact that there are small towns that may rely a lot on the economies. Uh, so it's a little bit unfair on that end, but maybe you, there was something, right? There's, um, you can see why MLB probably wanted to shrink uh, a couple of levels.
0: Yeah, it, it really seemed like and this is looking at it from like, you know, uh you know, a soccer and, and basketball perspective. but from, from what I've seen, like it, it just seemed like MLB teams they're really slow to bring guys along. And I can I can see sometimes why, but at the same time, like I don't know. Is is isn't there something to be said for just, you know, figuring it out when you're at a higher level and, and working your way into being a good player? Well, their service time. Um
1: uh, no, you, know you have to make changes to that. Sorry to cut you yeah. off. Because if because if, if there's a player who's playing two sports in college, like let's say Kylo Murray's example, right? Yeah. Why would he choose baseball and play through two, three years in a in exactly. the minor league when he can play NFL right away?
0: Yeah. Like yep.
1: you've got to start yep. thinking about this a little bit more, right?
0: Yeah. And and Primate, I know what you're saying about service time, but I I don't. I'm not saying like necessarily bring them up to the majors and and let a guy who was just drafted like go into the majors. I'm just saying like it just seemed like you know you have to go through you know a ball and then double A and and then sometimes it just takes a long time. And I can see why. Like you want to make sure that you know with some of these prospects that you're you're taking the time that they're learning to play to play correctly. And you know pitching is is difficult. Like I don't I don't know that there's there's an an equivalent in in any other type of sport where you know seeing seeing a pitch a type of pitch for the first time or like you know when you're dealing with a hundred mile an hour fastball and somebody who can who can really control it but then can like you know slow it down on you and throw like 79 it's it's tough for for a young hitter to adjust to so i i get that but like Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it just it seems like it takes forever for somebody to come up
2: yeah so i mean there's the service time issue i think number two is that it's national. It's all like, again, yeah, minor league cities, economies. Like, it's America's national. Right. National, so, you have a lot of teams and you have a lot of players, and you got to put them somewhere, which results in that. I think MLB is a little bit more of an individual sport. So, whereas, like other sports, you can hide guys, you have practices to develop them, and you can limit minutes. Like you, like a young guy in the NBA, can have like you can control their minutes and yeah. work out with them practice. So MLB doesn't have that model, so it's harder to develop at the major league level. But I, I mean, I agree. Like I, I really like. It makes a lot of sense to stream. Like there are too many levels. I really do believe that. they're just looking at it from a major league baseball operation, there are likely too many levels, and it makes a lot more sense to streamline that process and have more control over the player development process. So it makes a lot of sense, but on the flip side, we all know why it was done and it was to save money. <laughs> that That's the real reason. It was, uh, it, it was financial more so than, it just so happens. Oh, for
1: sure. It's better definitely more financial. It could, it better mean,
2: develop, now it could be, it turns out that, yeah, it could end up result in better player development because you have, the league has more control over facilities and, um, how the players are used in those with those teams. But- so the
1: one, yeah, the one thing that really makes me sad, and I was all I would have always wanted to do was uh, go watch uh, the Appalachian League and um, uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, I'm having a brain freeze; I'm forgetting the team name. But the ground Blue is so field. beautiful, Bluefield. Bluefield, yes. Um, that's one. And um, John Lott, he wrote a lot about it, and, and you know. Um, Whenever he visited. Uh, But I mean, yeah, I mean, they could have thrown a bunch of money and probably fixed the problem. But even then, I think at least one layer probably would have been redundant, right, based on where we are today. So...
2: The uh, funniest thing I ever heard uh, on a um, Jays talk. This is way back, like over ten years ago, when uh, Mike Wilner, uh, some guy called in, and he was ta- and It was after the season, and Adam Lind was on, and he was taking questions from the fans. <laughs> and some guy called in, is like, yeah minor league baseball's great value uh, for the price. Like if you can see an entertaining game and it's much, much cheaper than going to the majors. So he asked uh, Adam Lin, so what's the biggest difference between the competition in the minors and the majors? And Adam was like, they're all better. What else
0: do you want me to say? <laughs> they're better. <laughs>
2: yeah, like, what do you want? They're stronger, faster, throw harder, hit harder. <laughs> Everybody's better in the majors. That's the difference. <laughs>
1: It's just sometimes funny how like these guy people try to overthink simple. Exactly. Things. Exactly. Uh, Jonathan Davis just hit another solo home run, so Jays are up three sure. nothing.
2: Yeah, and, and to that, we talked about this on our WhatsApp group chat.
1: So I believe Jonathan
2: Davis, he's not really a prospect anymore. He's about twenty eight or twenty nine. I believe he should be on this roster over Rowdy Tellez when the time comes to make that
1: decision. What about Josh Palacios now? it How seems do, like he's falling yeah. behind him in the pecking order um and he's made a couple of boneheaded uh, errors on the base path
0: yeah yeah i remember when he, he got caught leaning like yeah. i think it was a few games ago yeah. he got caught leaning when he was on he, he got brought in i think they 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 brought him into pinch run right and he got caught leaning and it like it looked like he he completely wasn't paying attention and he got thrown out
2: full disclosure i don't i mean i know who he is i don't know his defensive ability well if can palacios play a good center field
1: Oh, uh, we haven't. Uh, he's played center field. He's been adequate, I think.
2: Can it be easy, yeah. So here's my take: is that I was Palacios could change things. I don't know for sure what his um defend defensive how he is defensively. I haven't read a lot about him. But my reasoning for Davis was number one, despite his blunder and getting picked off, the whole extra innings, starting a runner at second. So there's always going to be pinch running, um, needs. While Gritchick is an adequate right center fielder, I think if you're going to have to, you're likely going to have to use the DH spot for uh, Springer a lot this year, just coming off those injuries and um, bringing him in slowly, so Davis can provide a plus glove in center. So this with the speed, the pinch running, the ability to play defense, certain ballparks that are just really harder to defend against, given that they do have some run prevention issues, having a good, just if you really want to have like a play a game with a Gritchick Springer girl, like Davis outfield just for improved outfield defense, that's there as well. So he provides a lot of those value, those capabilities that you have in a fourth or fifth outfielder. Now Palacios, if he could do all those things, uh, just as well or better. Maybe he's the guy instead uh, with a better bat. I I don't know. Like he's had a pretty – his minor league hitting numbers have been pretty solid. Like his career minor mm-hmm. league numbers are two eight hit, 288 with a three sixty six on base. Um, He's had some years where he's had about 15 stolen bases. Maybe it's him. Maybe he plays that role instead. I don't know defensively though – how he is. So I can't say with certainty, like I can't make a declaration as to who should stay, but he could be the one that stays instead. I don't see how Telez fits in long-term. I don't like he's not hitting enough. I think even last year, his two week hot streak was a little, it was just a good two weeks in a shortened season. So it it's weighted a lot more highly. And got Back carrying a backup first baseman in this day and age, I don't see as much value in that.
0: So just to wrap things up, guys, um, looking at the Blue Jays and where they're going to end off the season, uh, playoff team, not a playoff team, what do you guys think?
1: On the cusp, they could if things go their way, but I think they're mid to high 80s team right now.
2: Yes, playoff wild card contender. They have it now, they have a deep enough system that if they want to if they wanna go for it this year and make deadline deals, that they have the assets. Uh, their most rankings have them as a top five farm system now. Um, Keith Law, who I follow most closely, have them at at number three. So if they're close and they decide to make a push this year, they have the assets to acquire a starter that may become available. So, um, or even if they just want to do little mix, they say, you know what, we're still young. We have a lot of, the core is locked up long-term. Maybe if this year, the starter we want isn't available, we can shore up some other areas and use our lesser prospects to do that and still make a decent run. So they're, I wouldn't call them a frontline world series contender yet, but they are a wildcard team and they have a lot of flexibility and that uh, they could go a lot of different. If they don't go forth this year, it's not the end of the world. They could make incremental improvements or they could swing hard.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think the important thing is, is that, you know, there there's definitely brighter days uh, ahead for this club and that, you know, they have a lot of young talent and they got some flexibility, like you said. Uh, so I, I definitely think there, there are positive days ahead, but uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up guys. Um, to our viewers, listeners, if you've made it this far, Thank you very much for listening, watching. Uh, make sure you you hit the like button if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, it really helps us out. Um, comment on our stuff. Let us know. Like if, if you want to get in contact with us um, either on Instagram or, or Twitter. Just let us know what if, if there's anything specific you want to hear or see. Uh, we'll probably be doing some more NBA Top Shot videos uh, soon. If you haven't checked out the last one, uh, we put up a pack opening. Um, but Uh, yeah thanks a lot for listening watching Um, subscribe to us on Twitter Instagram uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast we really appreciate the support thank you thank you everyone